privileged and honored I am to be able to step behind this pulpit and minister in this great convention. I have already been uplifted, encouraged, challenged, and uh, my spirit is in the process of being broken through the ministry of these men of God that have already stepped to this pulpit this year. My love for the men that sponsor this meeting is far deeper than I could express with words tonight. I really feel like that God has used them in a special way to be on the cutting edge of a work that he is doing in the end time. And by sponsoring this meeting, it has been a catalyst for many other meetings of this type that have uh, been formed and are being in progress throughout the country. And uh, our our constituency is feeling the effects of this meeting and other meetings similar to this. And I believe that God has ordained to use these meetings for the purpose of promoting real apostolic revival in the end time. Aren't you glad for the Lord tonight? Praise God. Reading from the word of the Lord in Titus chapter number 1, verses 3 through 11. Titus 1, beginning with verse 3. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. God hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, And the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as it hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, specifically they of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not to for filthy lucre's sake. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, verse 14, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I'm rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. And I will go down to verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, and will sup with him, and he with me. 
My subject tonight, by the help of the Lord, in the next few minutes, I want to preach on this thought, Keepers of the Light. Let's love the Lord one more time. Lord, we thank you tonight. We exalt your name. We praise you. We glorify you tonight, God. Let your holy anointing come one more time. Speak to this people. Stir every heart. Help us to leave here changed by the preaching of the word and by a work of your spirit in our lives tonight. I commit this service to you. I surrender to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for it, Lord. And everybody say amen. Please be seated. In modern times, there have been many things that have changed. Things are fastly uh, passing from the scene that in uh, one time was very essential and uh, everybody was well aware of the function and the purpose of certain things. One of the things that have always intrigued me has been the lighthouse up and down the coastal areas of our great country and in other strategic locations throughout the world. There are these uh, large towers, various styles and configurations have been built, but usually they're located on prominent uh, places, outjuttings of rocks uh, on the top of a hill or a bluff, and uh, there they were placed for a particular purpose and reason. Now in our time of electronics and communication and radar and sonar and so forth, these lighthouses have become almost obsolete. But uh, at that time, in that era, when uh, lighthouses were in use, they were very, very essential for safe navigation in the seas of the earth. There are certain sea lanes that various traffic follows as they go from port to port one part of the world to another part. And the purpose for these lighthouses was to warn uh, those that were traveling the seas of dangerous waters that they were sailing through. They were there for the purpose of pointing out that there was dangerous tides or reefs or perhaps rocks uh, that uh, had the uh, potential of uh, causing that ship or that boat to go aground and there would be the loss of much property and many, many lives. And because these places have proven to be so dangerous, uh, the various government entities and communities would uh, build these lighthouses as a warning for those that were sailing the seas. Now on clear nights and in good weather, uh, the essential uh, nature of these lighthouses would not be as obvious or evident. But uh, at times when there was storm or foggy weather or there was high tides and things of this nature, without the lighthouse it was a, a sure invitation to disaster to sail through certain areas. Now, there were men that were uh, hired and men that were selected uh, that were keepers of the lighthouse. Oftentimes these lighthouses were placed in, in some very uh, uh, far removed places from civilization and from the city life and so forth. Oftentimes to be a keeper of a lighthouse was a very lonely job and a job that was done in extreme isolation. They didn't have a whole lot of company. But uh, these men were men that were very committed and dedicated to the responsibility that had been placed upon them. For they realized that the uh, discharge of their duties would determine uh, to a great extent whether or not sailors could sail safely through that part of the world. 
and it would be a great disgrace and a shame uh, to them that they would bear to their grave if they were not on the job doing their duty and uh, a ship or some kind of sailing vessel uh, would run into disaster and there would be loss of life because somebody was not on the job doing what they were supposed to do. Now, these lighthouses, this was before electricity, uh, and this was before incandescent lights, and uh, most usually there was some type of a flame uh, that uh, burned from a fuel supply. And it was the job of this lighthouse keeper to keep the fuel tanks filled and to keep the mirrors polished. And uh, these mirrors would reflect and magnify the light that was given off by the burning flame. And uh, so every evening, uh, these men would make their way up long, winding, narrow uh, stairs. And there they would take care of their responsibilities and make sure that the lighthouse, uh, the light was working properly and all the mechanisms were oiled and everything was turning and everything was just the way it was supposed to be. Now, you must realize that uh, not just anybody was selected to be a lighthouse keeper. When they needed a lighthouse keeper, they didn't go down to the local unemployment office and just find some old boy hanging around there to get his unemployment check and say, hey, we need a lighthouse keeper. Why don't you come on over here and take care of our lighthouse? No, sir. They were looking for somebody that was uh, dependable. Amen. Somebody that had character. Somebody that had integrity. Somebody that knew how to shoulder responsibility and fulfill duties. Amen. And so it also had to be somebody that was not swayed by their personal feelings and their emotions. It must be somebody that would not allow personal feelings and how uh, they were in an emotional state at a certain time to interfere with the discharge of their duties because there were the lives of countless numbers of sailors that depended upon them being on the job and doing what they were supposed to do. Now as Brother uh, Wilson preached to us last night, that the world lieth in darkness. The spiritual history of mankind has been one continuous night with just a ray of light here and there. In fact, before the ministry of Jesus Christ began, there was a period of 400 years of darkness when the voice of God was not heard one time. But the Bible tells us in John that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. This is a true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Amen. So John came for the purpose of telling the people, get ready, because light is coming. Then Jesus came on the scene in John 8 and verse number 12. He said, I am the light of the world. In John 9 and 5, he said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. In Matthew 5, 14, verse 13, he said, you're the salt of the earth. In verse 14, he said, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Amen. You are a candlestick that is put in a prominent place, not under a bushel, but on a candlestick. Everybody can see the light. Hallelujah. And so, uh, as we consider these verses of Scripture, we must realize that Jesus Christ is a source of light. But he said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light. But I'm fixing to leave, and then you're going to be the light. I want you to understand that God intends for the church to be both visible and also to affect their generation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're not in this world just to occupy a little space of time and then pass off the scene and be forgotten. But God has given to us a dispensation of the gospel. We have a responsibility to reach our generation with the truth. Could you say amen tonight? 
Now the apostles understood their job. They understood that in the Great Commission, the twofold responsibility, they were both to reach and to teach. Hallelujah. There's evangelism and there's establishing. Whatever you, uh, whatever you evangelize, you must teach it and pastor it. Praise God. Amen. They were uh, involved in building something bigger than themselves. They realized that God expected them to establish something that would outlive them. Amen. When they were gone off the scene, they were not working on something that was temporal, that would only last for a short period of time, but they were involved in establishing something, amen, that was to be here until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God, praise God, hallelujah. Amen. They were not kingdom builders. They were not trying to carve out a niche for themselves. They were not trying to come up with a retirement a nest egg somewhere. They were not trying to chisel out for themselves a comfortable living. Amen. Their hearts and their minds and their affection was not set upon comfortable homes and whatever materialistic things that they could accumulate to make their uh, life comfortable. But they were sold out to the cause, amen, of getting this gospel to every creature. Hallelujah. Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, he dealt with this uh, uh, building upon personalities. There were those already that were beginning to try uh, to uh, split off in little groups, a little click here, a little click here. And you know, most people, that would be enough reason for them to go to a city if they had that many people saying, hey, you're our man. Yes, sir, I'll go to that city and build a church because there's enough folks there to take care of me in fine fashion. But Paul rebuked them soundly, amen, and left them to know and understand. I'm not here. I didn't come here to build a name for myself, but I came here to build something for the glory of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Neither were they in it for filthy lucre's sake, for they would establish churches, and just about the time they were where they could bless them financially, they would put someone else in charge of it, and they'd go to another city and another nation to establish another church for the name of Jesus Christ. These apostles were men of great spiritual insight and wisdom. They were men, amen, that uh, could hear the voice of God. They were men that could see the trend, and they wrestled with the spirit of their age, and they saw what it was coming to. And the apostles warned us time and time again that there was a day and an hour swiftly approaching a spiritual darkness and apostasy like this world had never experienced before. Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, one of the young men, one of the young preachers that came in and was established under his ministry. And he told him, he said, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And then he goes on to say, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, 
and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry what was he saying to that young man he said listen you have studied the scriptures amen and the scriptures contains everything you know to make you wise unto salvation everything you need to know about god everything you need to equip you amen and to get you ready to do the work that god's called you to do you've learned it from the scriptures Hallelujah. Let me tell you something tonight. Everything we have is because of the word of God that's been delivered to us. I have salvation because somebody preached to me the truth from the Bible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm delivered and set free from sin tonight because somebody preached to me the truth. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Everything that I know that I've ever been able to use to help somebody, I learned it from the Word of God. Hallelujah. So Paul said everything that you have, amen, you're fully furnished unto all good works because you've studied the Scriptures. I submit to you tonight that we don't need anything else except the Word of God. Every ill and every problem that we ever encounter spiritually, there's an answer for us in the Word of God. Every problem in every church, there's an answer from the Word of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We don't have any problems that the Word of God can't solve. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So he said, you hang with the Word of God. Preach the Word. Why should we preach anything else when there's nothing more powerful than the Word of God? For it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of bone and the marrow, amen, and the joints and so forth, and it's discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't need a program. We don't need a singer. We don't need some other kind of a show. What we need is for somebody to preach what brought us to where we are. We need an old-fashioned preacher, amen, to pick up the Word of God and begin to preach the self, the Word of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 All of us are being affected by end-time attitudes. We're fighting against the spirit of Antichrist like we never have before. But I want you to understand something. God's got an antidote for end-time attitudes. God's got an antidote, amen, for the Antichrist spirit. What is it? Amen, it's through the preaching of the Word of God. Hallelujah. Does not the Bible say that when the enemy would come in as a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it? Hallelujah. I want you to understand that God is raising up an apostolic ministry in the end time. That is the standard that God is raising up against the influx of worldliness, the influx of rebellion and iniquity that's coming against the church. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Put your mind at ease. Worldliness is not going to take over the true church. Put 
your mind at ease. I said, put your mind at ease. God's got a church, and God's going to have a church when he returns to take it out of here. Praise God, praise God, praise God. As Apostle Paul wrote to Titus, he said, I want you to understand something. Amen. The Word of God. God has, God has chosen in due times or due season to manifest His Word. That means to reveal His Word, to make it open, to make it plain through preaching. Hallelujah. I said God hath chosen, amen, to make his word manifested or revealed or open up through preaching. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And Paul said, which is committed unto me according to the command of God, our Savior. What does that have to do with the lighthouse? These apostles knew, amen, that they had a responsibility not only to reach but also to teach. Hallelujah. It was committed unto them to preach the word. Hallelujah. It was committed unto them by none other than God himself. They weren't called, amen, by denomination. Amen. They were not sent by man. Amen. But God called them into the ministry. God put his word in their heart. God gave them what to say and what to do. And they took it personal. It's committed unto me by the Lord Jesus Christ to preach the word because this is the way that God hath chosen to make manifest his word in due season. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. We are to be committed. Every God-called preacher here tonight, we have a commitment, amen, to be keepers of the light. I didn't build the lighthouse. I'm not the one that lit the flame, amen, but a torch has been passed to me. Hallelujah. A job has been committed to me. A dispensation of the gospel has been committed unto me. And it's up to me to be on the post. It's up to me to be on the job. It's up to me to take care of my duties and discharge them in a faithful, consistent manner because we're living in a dark, stormy world. And there's people tonight that's going to shipwreck if somebody doesn't let the light shine. As the gospel was being preached around the world last night, the thought came to me, wouldn't it be a tragedy that at the very moment of time that God has chosen, amen, to cause men and women to look for a glimmer of light somewhere that you and I would allow the light to go out that God's put us in charge of? There are preachers that do not understand what's taking place. They do not understand the working of the Holy Ghost. They do not understand the spirits that we're wrestling with. And they're giving in to it. And they're compromising. And the mirrors are getting smudgier and smudgier. And the light is getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And just about the time God's ready to give revival, there's no lighthouse in their city. God help us tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Apostle Paul told Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was that you should ordain elders in every city and should have set in order the things that are lacking. You've got a job to do, Titus. I want you to teach the men. I want you to train them. I want you to ordain and appoint elders in every city. And then he begins to list a long list of very stringent requirements. I want you to understand something tonight. God has some requirements. 
my time, I have seen things change. I'm not just talking about out in the world. I've seen a change in the church. There's people that have been considered, amen, and accepted as candidates to preach the gospel that never would have even got a hearing a few years ago. We're giving men credentials and licensing them to preach the unadulterated truth of God's word that have never even learned how to be a saint themselves. I know I'm meddling, but I'm going to preach what I feel like preaching here tonight. Hallelujah. We need some men that are responsible. Amen. I said we need some men that are dependable. We need some folks that are committed. If there's a young man here tonight that has a desire to preach the gospel, you make up your mind right now that you cannot allow one area of your life to be slipshod and half-hearted. Amen. You give it everything you've got. If you're not willing to commit everything you've got, then let somebody else preach it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're looking for fortune and fame, if you're looking to get up in front of everybody and be a big shot, if you're looking for money, amen, go find your job somewhere and stay out of the ministry. We don't need any more people in the ministry that's looking at it as just a professional job. What we need is some people that have a calling from God and have dedicated and committed themselves, amen, to preach the word. And to live it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Paul said the reason why we need elders in every city is because there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. Amen. Whose mouths must be stopped. How does God shut up a vain talker and a deceiver? I'm going to tell you God's antidote, amen, for antichrist spirits and end time attitudes is for somebody to stand up anointed by the Holy Ghost and preach the word without fear, without favor. It'll shut their mouth up. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God's looking for somebody that'll preach the word. Praise God. That these are the type to subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not to. There's people that have said in our churches that were taught the truth for years and years and years. And in the day and hour that we're living in, some of the very ones that taught them the truth are now coming back subverting whole houses, teaching things which they ought not to teach, things which are heretical, things which are not scriptural, things which are error, and they're teaching it and leading people into it. And the Bible says the reason they're doing it. And I submit to you tonight, that's the reason why it's happening today if they're doing it for filthy lucre's sake. They're preaching to the grandstands. Every decision they made is a business decision. It's not a spiritual decision. It's not what thus saith the Lord. It's not what pleases God, but it's what can give me the most income and the biggest church and the most prestige. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, when God chooses you to be a keeper of the light, you do not have the right or the authority to try to improve or to modify the equipment or to change the message. All we are is a mouthpiece. Hallelujah. I said all we are is a mouthpiece to speak what thus saith the word of the Lord. Let's leave that for just a moment. 
I like the way Brother Wilson said it last night, but if I tried to use it, it just wouldn't fit. But I like that. Let's leave that in animated suspension for just a few minutes here tonight. A state of animated suspension. Hallelujah. And in the book of Revelation, we read to you some scripture tonight. In the first chapter of Revelation, John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. I could stop and preach there for a little while. Amen. When you get in the Spirit, God's going to reveal Himself to you. When you get in the Spirit, God will show you some things. And John got in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And God began to show some things to him. First, He showed him His glory and His resurrection power and might. And then from there, He proceeded to show him the spiritual condition. Amen. He gave him a diagnostic view of all of the seven churches of Asia Minor over which he was a responsible apostle at that time. Yes, he did. I don't have time to go into each of the seven churches, but let me just briefly touch on a few things here. First of all, I want you to notice that these messages, these uh, diagnostic reports are not addressed to the churches, but they are addressed to the angel of the church. Praise God. Now, now, that may not mean anything to you right now, but just remember I said it. We look at the church, the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, the angel of the church in Pergamos, the angel of the church in Thyatira, on and on and on it goes through these lists of the first six churches. And to each of them it is called the church. And it says in Ephesus or Smyrna, or Pergamos, or Thyatira, Philadelphia, whichever one of the churches it is. Now, won't you notice the names of the cities are named only for the purpose of showing location, geographical location. But it doesn't say the church of the Ephesians. It doesn't say the church of the Thyatirans. It doesn't say the church of the, uh, of the Pergamites, but it says the church in Pergamos. The church in Thyatira. Hallelujah. I want you to understand there's a reason for that. God was not identifying the church with the people or the citizens of that geographical location. But he said it was his church. Hallelujah. I said it was God's church. And we're all a part of God's church tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And a part of God's church is here in this city, Fresno. And a part of it's down the road in Modesto. And a part of it's in Los Angeles. And a part of it's in Phoenix. And on and on and on. But it's still the church of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. And so these cities are named only as a point of reference. And then we notice that each of these churches is an individual lighthouse. Amen. They are set in different settings. Each of them are in a diverse culture and a different location. But they all are supposed to be contending for the same doctrine and the same message. Hallelujah. Everybody say praise the Lord. Now as we look at these various churches, some of them are fairer and better than others. Some of them receive words of commendation and others words of condemnation. And so God begins to analyze each and every one of them and speak to the angel. I believe most of you understand that the angel of the church is used in this context from the Greek word angelos means angel or messenger. And in this particular context, it would have to be a messenger. So it's a message that was addressed to the pastor or the bishop or the elder of the church in each of these geographical locations. 
And then as we begin to look at these, we find that the church at Ephesus was the church of the first love. But I want you to notice, I, I've always looked at it, that God was speaking and saying to the church at Ephesus, I know your works and your labors and your patience and your this and that and the other, but look at it just a little more closely if you would for a moment. He said unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. This was not just an analysis of the church, but more directly it was analysis of the preacher, the pastor of that church. God looked at his church and gave him a report card as to what kind of a preacher he was. What kind of job he was doing. Hallelujah. And he said to that preacher, I know your works and your patience and your labor. And on and on and on. For my name's sake has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because you've left your first love. Dropping down to verse 6. But this thou hast. God said there's one thing about you that I really appreciate. Amen. We're on the same wavelength. You love some of the same things I love. And there's one thing I hate. And you hate it too. Thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, things which things also I hate. I've tried to study out about the Nicolaitans. I found out it's not a sect. It wasn't a group of, of people that uh, ascribed to a certain doctrine or ideology. But it seems like as I looked at it, it's more of an attitude or spirit. And in the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar, I just looked it up like you'd have to probably. But it has to do with Latin, it has to do with conquer. And as I begin to follow it on through the various places that it's mentioned in these messages to the seven churches, I begin to see a pattern emerging. It's talking about a spirit or an attitude of the laity wanting to rule. Just hang with me a minute. Amen. And God said, you hate the deeds of Nicolaitans. Bless God, they had a preacher in Ephesus that wouldn't allow the people to tell him what to do. He was more tuned in to what God said than what the people said. Some people never preach anything God gives them until they lick their finger and stick it in the air and see which way the wind's blowing. But that's not the way an apostolic preacher operates. Hallelujah. To the saints at large, if you've got a preacher that stands up and tells you what thus saith the word of God, whether you like it or not, you ought to stand to your feet and thank God for it right now. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Please be seated. To the angel of the church of Pergamos, the church under imperial favor, a church that was beginning to flirt with the world and make friendships and leagues with the world, he begins to deal with them. And he said, I have a few things against you, preacher, because you have in your church those that hold the doctrine of Balaam. And you don't even challenge them. Amen. Balaam taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. And you're allowing that to go on and you won't challenge it. He said, I also have something against you because thou hast them also that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans which thing I hate. He was just a little more softer on that spirit. The preacher at Ephesus hated it. 
But the preacher that was preaching in Pergamos, he was kind of easy on it. He probably had a little bit bigger church than the church at Ephesus. Because a few more folks was comfortable in his church than what was comfortable down at the Ephesian church. Hallelujah, am I making sense to you tonight? You could go to the church at Pergamos and be a follower of Balaam. You could slip around on the side and commit a little idolatry. You could eat some food that had been offered up to idols. You could commit a little immorality and get by with it at the church of Pergamos because there was a preacher that would not challenge that spirit. You could believe in the laity rule and go to the church at Pergamos and the preacher, he might not let you tell him what to do, but he'll just kind of work his way around you and say you're a pretty good old boy and do his best not to offend you because you pay good tithes. Hallelujah. But God said, I hate that thing. And if you don't repent, I'll come to thee quickly and will fight against thee with the sword of my mouth. God said, I'll take my word and fight against you, preacher, if you don't preach the full word of God. In most of our churches, the problem is not with what we preach. It's what we're not preaching. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost here. I hope you're getting something out of this. Then we come on down to the church of Thyatira. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira, God begins to give him his report card. And he said, look, I've got something against you because you suffer. That means you allow. You've allowed old Jezebel to move into your church. Thou sufferest that woman Jezebel. I thought she died a thousand years ago. Her spirit lives on. I said her spirit lives on. She slipped in ever so suddenly and quietly. And for a while she took a back seat. And she was so submissive. You knew her history, but you suffered her anyway. And now she's got her little following. But I don't have a teaching. Yeah, but you've got to understand, by her spirit, she is teaching others. And her spirit is infecting others. And she's got a whole following of those just like her. Because you suffer that woman, Jezebel, amen, to abide in your assembly. You let her come in with her painted face and her jewelry. You let her come in with her bobbed hair and her pantsuit. You let her bring her television right on in there. Amen. And you never did use her, but you never did say enough to upset her either. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a great abomination to believe something and not preach it than it is not to believe it in the first place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're in more trouble with God if you know something's wrong and you won't take a stand against it and you tolerate it than somebody that never knew anything about God or holiness or righteousness. My preaching's anemic. As a keeper of the light, I deserve a big fat F. If I allow those that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, those that follow the doctrine of Balaam, amen, those that are followers of Jezebel, if they can sit in the congregation where I pastor and be comfortable, there's something wrong with my message. (laughs) 
I'm feeling anointing right now. I feel like God's wanting to stir some people up around here tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's time to purge. It's time to cleanse. It's time, amen, to return back to the old landmarks. It's time to clean the smudge off the mirrors. It's time to clean the windows and let the light begin to shine. Please be seated. I want you to notice the connection of Jezebel and Balaam. I've read past that before, never noticed that they were connected together. But I went back to the account in 1 Kings 18 chapter when Elijah went out to challenge Ahab and sent Obadiah after him. And when Ahab came, he come, boy, he had a chip on his shoulder. He was mad. He was stirred up. He had problems in his kingdom, and he's blaming it all on the prophet. And he come up with his hands on his hip, and he pointed his finger in that preacher's face, and he said, Art thou he that troublest Israel? Now that was supposed to intimidate the preacher. He's supposed to say, no, 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 no. I'm sorry if I offended you. But I like the way Elijah come right back. He got right up in his face. He said, no, I am not. But you're the one that troubles Israel. And that you've turned from God's commandments. And you followed after Balaam. Now, how did he follow after Balaam? I thought they were Baal worshippers. But he said, you follow after Balaam. I want you to understand that the spirit of Jezebel and the spirit of Balaam are so close, they're kissing cousins. (laughs) The only difference is this. Here's how Balaam operated. He told Balak, he said, you take your fair maidens and you invite the young men of Israel over and you have a dinner party and you pair them up and you get them acquainted with one another and they'll fall in love and they'll seduce them and they'll teach them, amen, to eat food offered to idols and to commit immorality and God's going to turn against them and fight. And why did Balaam do it? Because he was greedy for filthy lucre. Once they got it, after they had killed Onabas, they tore out all the old vines. Did you not know that that was a stock that went all the way back to when the spies went into Canaan land? Now it's hard to improve on a genetic strain of grapes that grows such clusters of grapes that it takes two men with a staff between their shoulder to bear because of the weight of it. That went all the way back. That was inheritance from his grandfather. On back, on back, on back. 
He had taken care of that vineyard. Amen. He had propagated those vines and he had pruned them and kept them alive and all the dead wood cut out of it and they were still producing just like they did. Amen. Several hundred years earlier. This was the original stock. But Ahab and Jezebel had a new idea. And they tore out the old vines. And they planted them in an herb garden that was convenient to the king's house. We're living in a day and hour of convenient religion. We preach what's convenient. We've taken some things out of our churches and replaced it with some things that are more convenient. We've taken out the prayer meetings and the altars. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love singing. I knew I couldn't preach this without getting on it a little bit. I love music. But I want to tell you something. We need to get back, amen, to praying down the power of God instead of trying to sing up some kind of an emotional ecstasy. God didn't ordain to save us by music, but he had chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Hallelujah. We've taken out altars and built big fancy stages and lighting so that we can put on our promotions and our drama. Amen. We built us a convenient garden of herbs, but we got rid of something far more valuable than that which we have settled for. I'll let you take it from there. I don't have time to preach that. Praise God. I've got to finish up. My time is up. And so we notice here, that when we consider the name Balaam and Jezebel, they are synonymous. Balaam is synonymous with false teachers and prophets. Jude said in the 11th verse that those that are follow after the reward of Balaam greedily. And Peter warned about it also and said the same thing that they are following after the order of Balaam. Who was Balaam? He was a man that allowed his greed to affect his actions, his conduct, his his ministry and his message if a spirit of greed ever gets a hold of you it's going to affect your conduct it's going to affect your method it's going to affect your message hallelujah 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 that didn't go over too good but it's the truth anyhow hallelujah 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 Art thou he that troubleth Israel? No, I'm not he that troubleth Israel. But it's you. And you've turned away from God's commandments. And then I come to the conclusion of my message tonight. To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. All the other churches have said the church in Sardis. In Philadelphia. In Thyatira. But now this church is identified with the population, with the citizens of that city. He didn't say unto the angel of the church in Laodicea, but to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. Do you see how Satan had been looking for a chance to infiltrate each of the churches? 
He affected the pastor of the church at Ephesus with the, his love cooling off. The pastor of the church of Pergamos began to allow some people to come to his church that held to the doctrine of Balaam and the Nicolaitans. The pastor of the church at Thyatira was allowing Jezebel to operate in his church. But by the time we get to the church of the Laodiceans, we see here not a church built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He does not identify himself with this church in any shape, form, or fashion. This is a church built upon popular opinion. This is a church designed, built, and operated by the people. This was a democratic church, not a theocracy. And here's the things that Laodicea had to boast of. They had the nicest buildings. They had the largest crowds. And they had overflowing treasuries. But they didn't have God in their midst. Laodicea had a preacher. But God's standing on the outside. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea, he said, I know your works. And I know that you say I'm rich and increased with goods. I'm doing fine. But you don't know. You're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And I stand at the door and knock. I have a question to ask tonight. I wonder if the preacher at Laodicea ever got up his nerve enough to preach what God told him to preach. I wonder if he ever stood up and told Laodicea, God said that you're rich. You say that you're rich and increase with goods, but God said you're naked, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind. I doubt it. Because he was no longer a mouthpiece of God. He was only echo of what the people wanted to hear. He preached to them what they wanted to hear. Let's get back down the preacher till all he was was an echo. The owner of the church, the one that purchased it with his own blood, the true church that is, is still walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And he said in Revelation 2.23, And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you, all you preachers, he said, I'm going to give unto every one of you according to your works. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, I fought a good fight, kept the faith. Has therefore laid up for me a crown of life, not for me only, but to all those that love his appearing. I've been a faithful keeper of the light. God needs lighthouses in strategic locations around the world in the end time. And God wants an apostolic lighthouse in your community. Would you stand? Let's lift our hands and love the Lord right now.
Thou shalt learn that I am the Almighty God. I do not stand by forever. I will judge in my time. Don't take this day as a day that you can control. I rule the heavens and I rule the earth. Thou art my people if thou will serve me with thy whole heart, mind, and strength. But without me, you are nothing. You cannot accomplish it. I'm thy God. Make me thy God. Use my name. Walk worthy of my name. And I will show thee my glory. you turn to a brother could we fulfill the scripture could we pray one for another right now and you out there if your pastor's on this platform I want you to stretch your hand toward him in his direction I want you to pray for him I want you to pray if your pastor's not here pray for him pray for his consecration pray about his integrity Pray about his sincerity. Pray. It's important. It's important. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Touch us. Oh, brethren, let's pray. <laughs> that our hearts are right. That our motives are pure. Oh, Jesus. Pray that we have courage. Pray that we have faith. Pray that we have strength. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God in your name. Jesus, Jesus. Pray, pray, pray. God, that we will speak. God, that we declare. God, that we'll be good stewards of your kingdom, of your word, of your call. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, God, help us. Help us. Help us, Jesus. Touch us, Jesus. God, in your name. Jesus! Jesus! Oh, 
preach your word. Help us to preach your word. God in your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. 